0: Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, intelligent, Star Wars-loving <laughs> wife, Michelle. You're so wonderful. Thank you. Hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We were recording this episode on Sunday, October 20th, 2019. We are exactly... Two months away from Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, and the
1: anticipation
0: is at a fever pitch right now.
1: I know, and I know we're all excited about uh, seeing the trailer that's going to be dropping tomorrow after Monday night, fo- or within Monday night football. And then tickets go on sale too.
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah. whenever you're hearing this episode, we're recording this, like I said, on Sunday the 20th. uh, The trailer is dropping on Monday Night Football on the 21st. I believe it's at halftime that it's happening. And then supposedly tickets are going on sale right about that exact same time. So I know there'll be a lot of anticipation for seeing that trailer, talking about that trailer, and then the rush to break the internet and get those (laughs) tickets. And we'll see how AMC and all the other theaters handle it because I know that there's going to be a flurry of activity trying to land <laughs> right. these
1: tickets and there's already been like a trailer to the trailer right
0: yeah just twelve little <laughs> smidgens of it like there's a little five second thing and a little 15 second thing that of course i've already broken down completely and i've been overanalyzing <laughs> really uh, just just wait yeah? till we get whatever this two minute or whatever trailer it is and how mu- that's gonna go but uh it should be should be fun and just Just very excited and can't wait to see it tomorrow night.
1: Right. It is exciting and it's fun to see all on social media, everybody commenting about it and getting uh, ready and thrilled that it's going to be happening it's happening yep. so soon. <laughs> yep. The hype train is
0: rolling for sure. Uh, thanks for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the best place to sign uh, to find us is on Hyperion Adventures Podcast.com. And when you go there, uh, please just uh, take the time and, and sign up for our newsletter. And I promise you, um, just in case you're concerned, we're not going to take your information and sell it anywhere no, or we don't give it to anybody. Yeah. You can record this and keep this. We are not going to give it to anybody. We're not going to sell it to anybody. It's just so we can. Uh, kind of bring you into the fold and share more information with you through our newsletter on a weekly basis.
1: Right. It's another way that we can interact with you all and get information, you know, of what you like about the podcast or what else you would like to see about the podcast. But it's also our way to, um, you know, kind of also give back on the things that we talk about, you know, that we would give some tips or, or useful tools maybe. But just a way, to, another way to have an that interaction. I mean, we do. You know, we're talking out to people. We do try to do a lot of interactions on social media, and this is just another level, another element for that. Because we really enjoy doing this, and we really enjoy interacting with the people who are also Disney fans. Mm-hmm. And we figure those people that
0: are willing to sign up for this <laughs> newsletter, they really want to be involved.
1: You really want to be
0: involved with us, so we give you a lot of that information first before we put it out there on social media or any place else. And that includes our giveaway that we're going going to have a little bit and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about who won this last week and we're going to get to who is what our game is and what we're going to give away this coming week but uh, as Michelle just referenced uh, you know we are out there on social media and we appreciate that you are a part of it and to follow us on social media you can find us always on Twitter at Hyperion podcast Facebook Instagram and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures podcast and uh, forever there's a reason you want to contact us if you want to just say hi hi if you have a topic that you want to discuss or if you have any questions about anything that are brought up on the show please email us at Adventures
1: podcast at gmail.com absolutely and again in terms of what really helps a podcast is telling a friend about us and sharing that information getting them to also be involved with us and obviously giving us a review and rating is also very helpful. One, it helps people find our podcast, but it also helps us make a better podcast.
0: I agreed on that. So yes, please, one, just tell a friend about us. It's the easiest way to kind of share this podcast that you know that you love and tell them that you love. And that's true of any podcast, uh, even uh, outside of ours. But uh, yeah, a review will help us out a lot and a rating helps as well too. And it's pretty simple to do when you go on Apple Podcasts or some of the other uh, different places where you can find our podcast. But let's get to today's show. We have lots of stuff for you today including a sneak peek at a highly anticipated Disney film that is coming to Disney parks. Speaking of Disney films, uh, and if you really like watching them, we may have found your dream job and there is new food options coming to a galaxy far far away. But let's get to something we kind of teased last week and wanted to bring you involved in and that is our weekly Hyperion Adventures trivia contest. Now, last week we we kicked this off for the first time with this wonderful Nightmare Before Christmas water bottle and, you know, we wanted to get you all
1: involved in this and we really appreciate those of you that that took part in our fun little game. Right. And if you're interested in doing that again, we're going to be doing it with every episode. And it's really- Really easy. It's three simple trivia questions related to the podcast, um, and one of those will be a code word. Which this week's code word is Skywalker. The code word is the code word is Skywalker. Skywalker. There you go, Skywalker. <laughs> Very good honey. (laughs) You really enhance this. I love it. (laughs) But uh, anyway so there's um, three trivia questions that you can submit your responses to and then we have a drawing with the people who've done that and give a prize.
0: Right so who was this week's winner of our Nightmare Before Christmas water
1: bottle? So this week's winner and I hope I say her name right it's it's either Alicia or Alicia, I'm not sure how she says it, from Tampa. So thank you so much for participating, and uh, we look forward to being able to continue doing this. Yes, thank you,
0: Alicia, Alicia, Yay. and we will be in contact with you to get your address so we can send you that water bottle that you want. Now let's get to this week's giveaway, and this week's is another fun little knickknack that you might want to add to your collection and that's be- and, and more interesting is a very much of a collector's item that uh, we received from the d23 expo 2019 and, and this week's prize is actually a d23 expo 2019 exclusive mickey mouse themed disney store collectible key if you know disney stores they give out these keys it used to be where it would just be for the person who kind of opened up the Disney store on a day. Then later on, they've kind of had these collections out that they've put out. They're limited edition. they only have so many at each store and you have to be like one of the first so many on any day that these are released uh, to make a purchase. Uh, We got this one at uh, the D23 Expo 2019. Like I said, and it's exclusive. You could have only received it there and we have this for this week's giveaway.
1: Yeah. And it's really, really cute and colorful. I, I love it. Um, It really captures the essence of Mickey and uh, has, uh, it's all I can say is it's really cute.
0: Yeah, it's got a little, like the end of the key that's kind of like the the teeth of the key is like a little castle Castle. on Mm -hmm. it. We'll put pictures on both the website and out social media wise as well. And of course, also on our newsletter, which is one way, the first way you can get all the questions coming up, including... Skywalker. Today's keyword is (laughs) Skywalker. Uh, But you also will, you know, another way to enter into this contest as well is to leave us a review. And if you do leave us a review and you want to be involved, all you got to do is hit us up and let us know. I left this review. I want to be in this contest. And if you've left a review in the past or you leave a review now, you will be involved if you want to be in every contest we have going forward.
1: Right. So we hope you are enjoying this and that uh, we are able to make it a fun way to interact.
0: Right. A lot of fun. We want to get you all involved. Our Hyperion Adventures much more involved in the show. So this should be fun going forward. So as we already talked about, Michelle, the, the, the hype for the rise of Skywalker is at a fever pitch. We have just tomorrow, maybe by the time you've heard this, the new trailer is dropping, and everybody is so excited about it.
1: I know, I know. And it's exciting, the film we're going to be talking about today, because it's kind of another parallel in the sense that it's a trilogy coming to an end. Right.
0: Well, we have been excited about The Rise of Skywalker, obviously for months now, because we're well on our way through our Star Wars Remembered series, as Michelle was just talking about. We are wrapping up now the original trilogy, and now we are moving into... Episode 6 Return of the Jedi.
2: Return for the climactic clash between the forces of good and evil. Return to a galaxy far, far away. Return of the Jedi. The next chapter in the continuing Star Wars saga. The Battle for Freedom Raiden. The Heart of a Hero. The courage of a rebel. The strength of a leader. The loyalty of comrades. The power of the force. The cunning of the enemy. The destiny revealed. Is the fate of my father? A legend fulfilled. An epic of heroes... Villains and aliens from a thousand worlds. It's a crap. The quest continues. The circle closes. The saga lives on. Return of the Jedi begins May 25th at a theater in your galaxy.
0: I can only hope that the trailer we see tomorrow night is as good as that trailer was. I mean, Seriously, the difference in these trailers from, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s to now is is amazing. But they, they just crack me up every single time, although they have gotten progressively better since that first one we did with uh, A New Hope.
1: Absolutely. And uh, in preparation for today's show, I was actually looking at some of the TV spots and they were hilarious. Okay. Uh, obviously shorter Um they looked more like the ones from the early from the early uh trilogy. Hilarious. I know. Uh, so goody. Uh, so as
0: always with our Star Wars Remembered series, we love to bring in our great amazing friend Rob LeBerry from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Woo! One, because he's just a lot of fun, but two, he fills in all the cracks and actually has knowledge about this stuff, whereas we <laughs> just kind of hem and haw and try and fake our way through it. So Rob, thanks again for joining us on another episode of Star Wars
3: Remembered. Yeah, I love. I always love coming on for the uh, Star Wars Remembered series and getting a chance to sit down with you and Michelle and talk about some of our favorite films.
0: Yeah, we enjoy having you on. It's been really fun over these last several months. We've got a couple more to go as we are now only exactly, uh, to this day we're recording, two months away from the release of The Rise of Skywalker. It's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and we are really always indebted to Rob for coming on because as Tom said, you bring knowledge. We talk about things that are shiny and (laughs) you, uh, you know, really Like he said, fill in the gaps. Give us the real lowdown on what's going on. Hey, I like shiny things. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? We all love shiny things. (laughs) Like Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) It's very shiny.
0: Maybe it was when Lando possessed it, sure, but well, uh, yeah. a little different as we moved on, especially by this film. So uh, let's get right into it. Star Wars, remember, this is Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. The film debuted, as you might have just heard, in that trailer we just played on May 25th of 1983. That was exactly six years after the release of the first Star Wars film, which was later, of course, renamed Episode Four: A New Hope. Uh, they actually originally were going to release it on May 27th, but they bumped it up a couple days when they realized hey let's you know make it on the the anniversary date right. and kind of tie these all together at that point they weren't this was probably going to be it. they didn't have real in-depth plans to make some other films there were thoughts out there that lucas may do some other films at some point but there really was no concrete uh, thought process that there
1: were going to be more films made after this one right right and you know i mean obviously In his personal life, there were some things that were taking his toll. So I do think that even he felt like this might, you know, be kind of wrapping things up. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. So
0: let's get to the synopsis of this film. It's the original trilogy wrapping up with our heroes journeying across the galaxy to save one of their own. We then follow them into the climactic battle against the ultimate evil. Along the way we journal from Luke's journey from Luke's homeworld to a forest planet, witness the becoming of a Jedi, an epic space battle, and meet some furry new allies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's get to the cast of this film and I'm just going to go right through the you know this is actually compared to like the other couple films we just went through we're not introducing a lot of new characters we pretty much know this whole cast top to bottom, at least the main portion of it. And we'll start with the, the the big trio of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia Organa, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, back again to wrap up this uh, the original trilogy. And, of course, doing a masterful job, once again, of playing the big three and having such chemistry. I think you'd agree, Michelle. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, uh, you could really tell that you know, like we see in, in so many things that do have either sequels or even in TV shows that, you know, continue that the, the chemistry, the gelling, people understanding their actual characters. I think even a little bit better that they're able to portray them even with much more charisma that we see that here. Mm-hmm. for Sure.
0: Rob, your thoughts on the the big trio there.
3: Uh, obviously they, you know, they were the lightning in a bottle that we speak about so many times when we're talking about these films and, uh, they definitely, uh, were able to kind of rise to the occasion and, and give a great performance for the end of the sequel or the, I'm sorry, the original trilogy. Um, and, and again, I know that, uh, Harrison Ford was kind of thinking that Han Solo should have been sacrificed, uh, at some point during the original trilogy, but, uh, I thought it worked out pretty well the way they went and, and did it in the sequels.
1: Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And actually, I think he wasn't the only one who thought that. I think uh, one of the directors, I believe, thought that too. And But George kind of st- stuck with his decision to keep him.
0: Right. Alive. And also part of it was contract negotiations as well. But it all worked out. And I think uh, having Han back uh, was so important to finish out this film. I know that uh, the the concept of Han dying is, is an intriguing one, uh, in, uh, dying early on. But uh, I just think that this film was made better by the, the inclusion of Han in it by... You know, for many reasons, including right. some of the more great lines that we get out of him throughout this one. Uh, moving on through the cast, uh, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker return as our favorite two droids, C three PO and R two D two, and Anthony Daniels again just right. excellent in that role as as C three PO. Michelle, I know you are love your droids. <laughs> I so do I'm love sure my you, droids. You, you yes, love
1: that. yeah, he he was amazing in it, as in all of his his film. I mean, he's in all of them, so it's it's great. But yeah, he he really, you know, he played some real key portions in this film. Yeah, right off the bat, you <laughs> right? know,
0: going into Jabba's palace and you're like, yeah, he knocks on the door. Yeah, no one's home. Let's move along. It's just <laughs> <know>. so C-3PO. <laughs> uh, Rob, your thoughts on the two of them?
3: R2, you're playing the wrong message, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean he was he was great in the first portion of the movie for comic relief he kind of fades into the background a little bit as we get later into the film but uh, you know the the comedic content between he and R2 uh, always was a highlight of the, trilo- the original trilogy films and you know certainly they're the glue that holds all the films together in the sense that uh, they've been a constant uh, in all the films up to this point
0: mm-hmm. right. exactly exactly uh, moving on Peter Mayhew returns as Chewbacca just the same Chewbacca we've known and loved the lovable Guy, uh, lovable guy, lovable Wookie that's you know just there all the time and just has the right emotion at the right time. Even right. though he never says a word that you can understand, actually, it's just uh, just such a such a he's just such an amazing character. And really, I I just can't imagine Star Wars without uh, Peter Mayhew and Chewbacca.
1: Right. I mean, and that shows you know, the talent that this actor can bring that with his mannerisms that you can totally understand, you know, what emotion, what sense he's trying to project. And obviously with the, you know, um, with Han Solo as well, you know, dialoguing with him, but yeah, it's, he's, uh, pretty special yeah. or was pretty special. Yes, yeah.
0: definitely. Uh, Rob, I know you have thoughts on Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, even though I know we've discussed it many times, but I'm sure you have even more thoughts.
3: Yeah, I just uh He's he's definitely missed. Um, I am I'm glad that Jonas uh, Suitamo has done such a wonderful job, mm-hmm. kind of filling those shoes or at least that Wookie fur in this case. But um, I think you know one of the best parts of of Chewbacca within this film has to be him popping out of that ETST in front of the Imperial bunker on the forest moon Andor.
0: <laughs> well, that and swinging through that with the the Tarzan, as <laughs> yeah, he's going through the comedy from that, uh, this is pretty funny. So, uh, moving on through the cast, James. Earl Jones and David Prowse uh, return as the voice and the body of, of Darth Vader in this one, and uh, again, just a, a, a great job of expressing. You know, to me, it, 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 well, I just, I'm not going to go on my complete tangent that I went on the last episode this time, but you see it even more in this in this episode where uh, Darth Vader is conflicted. Uh, throughout this when he's uh, with his son and with Luke and you know with the emperor and all this and you can see it even more and it's sold I think by the the body English uh, from David Prowse as well as of course the the great voice work from James Earl Jones Michelle I think you'll uh,
1: oh, totally you'll agree. agree yeah I don't think I can add more to that I think that that is so very true and you know it I, I mean just you know I And I know I'm kind of jumping ahead, but just I loved really the scenes of the interactions. And like you're saying, the emotional conflict he was going through when he was with his son, um, it, it, you know, really added so much of that person. I don't know know what I want to say, like the personality, Mm -hmm. the, the, the family issues that we all experience, you know, and they brought it to the screen so well.
3: Mm -hmm. Agreed on that. Rob, your thoughts? Well, you got to give credit to Sebastian Shaw as mm-hmm. well because he was the unmasked Darth Vader. So it was kind of strange because you actually had three actors uh, who could be credited with playing Darth Vader in that right. film. But um, four when you, you know, count
0: the so, special edition. So right, right.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, when you throw in the Hayden Christian scenes, right, <laughs> right, which is what I just saw. So. Um, <laughs> But, you know, to, to the credit of David Prowse, you know, one of the things that, that was a great story about this particular film was when it came time to throw Palpatine down the reactor shaft at the end of the film, uh, they couldn't figure out how to make that work, um, with the, the actor that they had in the armor at that particular point in time. And Prowse came in and in one take was able to, you know, lift him up and pull off the scene. So, uh, you know, he was in the Darth Vader armor for most of the original trilogy for a reason. He just had that huge, uh, imposing bulky body. And, uh, you know, I, I have to say that it would have been completely different you know body language for Vader had he not been playing him that that entire time in the original trilogy
0: no, I completely agree I mean right. I know there were some conflicts with him and Lucas uh, mm-hmm. you know and it really is kind of uh, put him on kind of a, an outster from uh, Star Wars for many reasons because of that but uh, uh, really he did this a magnificent job of of you know, embody puppetry in, in many right. ways since he wasn't voicing the character to to pull this off and, and be so imposing. But yet, like we just discussed at the end, there you could see the conflict within him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was portrayed very well on all aspects. Also returning uh, Alec Guinness for a, just a brief clip as Obi Wan Kenobi comes in to kind of uh, <laughs> explain some things <laughs> from a certain point of view. Uh, you know, and good to well. see him back being his same old. Obi-Wan, even if it was right. just a, for a short bit, Michelle.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean and obviously that was an important scene to have in there to try to explain a lot of, of the issues that related to the storyline that we saw in the prior two films.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Agreed. Uh, Rob, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, he originally he was supposed to be uh, cast in kind of a more significant role within the film. Uh, he was supposed to, there was supposed to be a, a portion of the final battle between Luke and uh, Vader where Uh, both he and Yoda were supposed to return to kind of help Luke through that battle Um, but, uh, obviously given, uh, Alec Guinness's age at that particular point in time, it made it impractical for him to travel and certainly to take part in any kind of, you know, physical battle. So, um, you know, we'll take what we can get. He was, he was an amazing part of the original trilogy. He was, uh, definitely, we've talked about it in the past episodes, not only, uh, you know, a name to go along with, especially that original star Wars film, but, um, you know, really kind of added that gravitas and, and kind of made everyone around him better in the scenes that he was portrayed in, true,
0: agreed. And it was such just, just as we discussed earlier episodes, just. Uh, such a you know uh, a, a mentor for these young actors who are really seeing their major role, such major roles for the first time, and yeah. kind of guiding them what what it takes to be uh, an actor in such a, a a big movie and an important movie. Sure. You know? So uh, really, really important part of this, uh, even if he only had a very small part in this film. Another person, well, not really person, another puppet that had a <laughs> a small part in this film was Yoda, played again by uh, Frank Oz. And doing another great, right. more great puppetry, even though you know, really was a lot less than was needed for *The Empire Strikes Back*, uh, because it was really just a, a kind of a, a bottle scene within his cave. Right. Was, you know, you see him, uh, you know, looking old and uh, kind of gradually passing away. Spoiler right. alert!
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, just, but just really
0: well played by Frank Oz once again.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it it really is amazing what they can do, what he can do uh, with that character as a puppet, it's just impressive. Mm-hmm.
3: Rob, any thoughts? Uh, not really. I mean, I think we already had talked about in the empire episode, mm-hmm. the fact that, that Yoda was going to be such a difficult character to pull off. And the fact that he was pulled off the way he was, uh, was a huge portion of why empire was so successful. And, uh, you know, there was some debate about whether they were going to even have him in this final film of the original trilogy. But I thought that that really was, uh, an important component of the story. And, um, you know, certainly we see him kind of, you know, pass into the force and now it's been established even before we get the real background of that in the, uh, prequel trilogy that, you know, this is an ability that light side Jedi can, can get. And uh, as we'll talk about when we get into some of the later films, I think they're headed in a certain direction with this and, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see if that turns out to be the case when we get to the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. We'll see if we get to any, uh, you know,
0: leads into that uh on tomorrow night's trailers that's released so that'll be really interesting i'm sure we'll be discussing this by the way on the jedi temple archives podcast this week i've no (laughs) doubt we'll be breaking down that trailer in detail Uh, moving on throughout the cast, just a few more spots to hit here. Uh, Billy D. Williams is back as Lando Calrissian. Yeah. I find, uh, you know, he's he's so great again in that role, but I find it so interesting that Han is so accepting of him after, <laughs> you know, he's like, I've just been frozen in carbonite. You know, oh yeah, you know, it's cool. Lando's here. It's all good. I'm going <laughs> to save him, as a matter of fact, from the Sarlacc pit when you basically just kind of threw me under the bus in the last episode. But, true, uh, you know, I, I, I think it just kind of works for more functionality than anything else. But, but, uh, you know, Lando is such a good character. And again, another character who's making a uh, reappearance in The Rise of Skywalker. I can't yes. wait to see more oh, from I him. Know. Michelle, thoughts on Lando? Um,
1: yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that perspective before. That's a very interesting thought. Yeah, um, how how did they just kind of gel like that? But I, I guess, you know, one could find a lot of little things here and there in the, these films. But, you know, it definitely worked having him and Han be able to, you know, beef. Be friendly together, mm-hmm. you
0: know. Agreed. I, I, it worked, even though it was a little weird that yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it was so smooth. Maybe, you know, he's been thrown to the bus so many times by Lando and vice versa by know, Han sure. that maybe it's like, okay, well, this is an old hat
3: for us. Yeah. Uh, Rob, your thoughts? I thought it was important to have him in the film. I mean, you could kind of see his story, uh, his character arc start to progress at the end of it. Re- Uh, Sorry, the Empire Strikes Back. But uh, within Return of the Jedi, you really get to see him committed to the rebellion. And, uh, you know, Han obviously trusting him with the Falcon was a a huge step. Mm. Um, And you had to have someone with a little bit of rhythm in that final celebration scene. Mm. So he fits both that. (laughs) It's
0: It's very true. Only certain people could dance to Yub Nub the right way. So. Uh, Jeremy Bullock also returns as Boba Fett, very small role right at the beginning. And, you know, kind of goes out in a weird way, but you know, uh, they had to kind of have him back for this. Finally, the, the key to this, the one, the one real new actor that came into this film that really was huge and very important to this film was uh, Ian McDermott playing Emperor Palpatine, and we'd had another actor play, you know, just a brief glimpse of the Emperor in uh, The Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. but they they needed to find somebody else to really fulfill this role, and Ian McDermott just sunk his teeth into this yeah. and just played it masterfully. So masterfully that they decided to bring him back for the uh, for the, uh, the the prequel, prequel trilogy, right. uh, but he was just so so good in this role for a character that we really knew little about going into this film. Shelf.
1: What do you yeah. think? Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, he was masterful at being creepy. <laughs> yes. that's, that's perfectly well said, honey. <laughs> You know, um, how he delivered his lines, how he laughed. I mean, how he just had, like, I'm in command. I know I'm in command. There's nothing you're going to do or say that's going to change that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he carried that so strong.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Rob, I know you have thoughts on uh, Ian McDiarmid as Emperor Emperor Palpatine, for sure.
3: Yeah, he's definitely the master of masks. I mean, he's able to, in the prequel trilogy, you know, portray the, the kind, friendly, you know, Know, schmoozy kind of senator um and then as michelle was saying i mean to be able to transition to that to that uh, character that's just oozing menace uh, and clearly is just, you know, steeped in the dark side of the force. Uh, He's able to pull off that entire range and um, very interested to see how he makes his reappearance within Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Again,
0: the trailer coming up. Is there going to be any glimpse (laughs) into that or are we going to just hold that off until uh, December 20th? Uh, It's exciting times right now for sure. Uh, So that's it for the cast. Let's go into how this film was kind of produced again once again uh lucas just like for the empire strikes back personally financed return of the jedi so he put his money into this to make sure it was made and uh once again uh you know a gamble that definitely paid off although right. i think far less of a gamble than it was uh for the empire strikes back for sure in since, sense you know really you didn't have a lot of sequels at that point but now you'd seen two movies back to back be right. successful so uh putting the money for in for this probably wasn't as big a deal michelle
1: I agree. I think um, probably what the challenge was is a making it within a budget based on people's expectations Mm -hmm. being extremely high from the first two. I I could see that with you know any company who's trying to do something that the the stakes are high because people have a high bar, and I think maybe that was what he might have been. Dealing with.
0: Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah. Uh Rob, any thoughts? No, I think Michelle pretty well covered it. Yeah, Michelle always does. So that's <laughs> no. that's well done. Well said. Uh yes, always. Uh screenplay was written by Lawrence kasdan as well as with Lucas chiming in with it as well. And after an extended search that included the likes of David Lynch, uh David Cronenberg, and even Steven Spielberg, Lucas settled on Richard Marquand to direct the film. So kind of wanted to get this big name uh Uh, You know, director in there and just couldn't quite land the right person in there. But uh, I think Richard Marquand came in and did a fine job of directing this cast, which can't right. be easy, uh, but to do this film.
1: Right, I mean, it, I would think that would be a challenge for any of them, any director coming in, and it's like, okay, there's already been some established things happening, people all know each other and work together in a particular way, and now you're coming into that as an outsider, I would think that would be kind of a unique experience.
3: hmm for sure. Rob's any thoughts on the uh, the direction? Uh, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, it's not really discussed a whole lot, but Marquand had really bad relationships with a lot of the cast. So, um, there were assistant directors who were, uh, whose work kind of got credited to him. Um, and it's kind of interesting in the sense that, you know, we've heard more recently of issues with certain directors, um, that Disney has had an issue with, uh, but that was not something that just started recently. There were some issues with that back even in the original trilogy.
0: Yeah. For sure. Uh, but they were able to get this one nailed down, and I think pretty successfully. And because, well, I mean, we're just going to talk about some of the key scenes in, in this film. And there's so many, again. I mean, I don't know if there's as many key scenes as like for The Empire Strikes Back, but right. just so many uh, things that you remember about this movie uh, so succinctly. It's just, um, you know, and we'll start right off the bat with uh, with uh, Jabba's Palace. And, you know, we always like our cantina scenes, <laughs> and, you know, they kind of seem to happen uh, in some way, shape, or form in just about every film. Well, uh, you know, Jabba's Palace was amazing for all the different creatures that were in there. And uh, later, you know, I mean, they had the band to begin with. But later on, they added more to the band and a bigger musical number of Whether you like that or not, that's up to you. But uh, it just was an interesting scene and something, you know, like we've never seen on film really before.
1: Oh, I know. Very spectacular visuals. Um, And as a funny aside, I think that when we were watching it again recently, I think I told you, I would love to see R2-D2 bring me my cocktail at (laughs) Oga's Cantina. I thought, wow, wouldn't that be a great addition? (laughs) Droids going around serving
0: drinks. Yes. Yes, Agreed.
3: Uh, Rob, any thoughts? Uh, obviously, the the entire see the whole sequence within Jabba's palace was great. There was a perfect mix of comedy and then some serious, uh, you know, scenes intercut with that. But one of my favorite things from the Jabba palace scenes were the Bomar monks, um, which were basically those spiders that you would see mm. in the background of some of the shots. Um, I don't know if they're going to be brought back into Canon. I think they kind of got tossed out with, um, the expanded universe, uh, stuff, but it was like literally a brain in that jar. Um, <laughs> That was controlling that spider, uh, which those were actually B-16 perimeter droids for anyone who cares, but uh, just kind of a, a cool little background item in those scenes that a lot of people may have missed. That's why we go with Rob
0: and bring I him on know. the show, because he has all this background information that we have no clue of. But I gotta go it's fascinating. rewatch that now. Right?
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Stuff.
0: So, uh, Anyway, we get the reuniting of our heroes at Aunt Joppa's palace, and you know a way that's planned but is it really planned is it going off we were trying to decide we were like, michelle and i were discussing like did everybody know the plan or was that kind of this kind of you know flying by the seat of the pants or did luke only kind of know the plan or what was going on there because right. it was really interesting
1: the way it, it plays out uh, you know michelle any thoughts yeah i mean you kind of kind of summed up what i was saying it's just like um obviously they there had to be some contingency ideas because things didn't necessarily probably follow through the whole way that they had would have had a plan for it um so that was that part was interesting like you said at at what level did everybody know what was going to be going on or did just luke know it all right
0: interesting you know i i think luke knew the end product and but i don't know if Everybody was in on what was going to happen at the very end. R2 obviously yeah, was, or had right. at least the possibility that this could be the case. But I don't know if everybody was in on it. Rob, do you have any thoughts?
3: Yeah, it's hard to believe that that was all part of the plan. Uh, that is one of the the hangups that I have with the film, because if that was all sort of planned out, um, there were so many places where it could have gone wrong. Luke was clearly shocked that he had been dropped into a Rancor pit. so right. <laughs> or, or the Grancor pit, as my son used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> still nice. stick to this household once in a while love <laughs> that
0: <laughs> see I, I don't know you know I mean I think it was kind of like this plan that is like okay if this then that if this happens then we'll do this right. and if this happens then we'll do this but I think at the end Luke's uh, concept of you could tell like he was he had foreseen at least a little piece of what could have been just the fact that he knew that R2 would be there to, you know, shoot the lightsaber into the right. air and that he could get it and you know, but obviously there were a lot of things that had to get to that point. Um, whether they, you know, he foresaw that or not, I don't know, but that's just kind of the way I felt is like, he was the only one that saw that this might be the end product, but maybe some things will go right for us along the way, but they
1: never go right. You know, that's just the case. (laughs) Or maybe just being, you know, the thought process as a Jedi that I know what the end goal is going to be. You know, I know that Java's either going to release my friends or he's going to die and just know I... I will use whatever is available to me to get to that. Yeah. Other it, than, obviously, just, yes, R2 shooting
3: always up. Always in motion is the future, Is Tom loves right. so, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> Exactly no right. Guarantees. It, was, it was a risky plan, to say the least. For sure.
0: <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
3: but it was a fun ride just to open up the sh- open up the film. That's for sure. If so they put Luke in the metal bikini, that's why he didn't want the lightsaber with him. <laughs> it would Where happen. do you
0: stash that thing? I mean, right. really. <laughs>
3: Don't answer that. I was going to say, I could say something, but you'd have to edit it's a it out. Show, okay, yeah. You. Don't answer that. Like uh,
1: we all thought the same thing. Yeah. All right, let's move on. <laughs> So moving on, of
0: course, we, we we you know, have the great battle and, you know, they destroy Jabba's sail barge and they kind of go and split off on their different ways again. Once again, and you're like, oh, you know, here they go again. Well, Luke is going back to Dagobah uh, and that's where we experience, uh, as we, we talked about just a little bit ago, uh, Yoda's death and Obi-Wan kind of. Um, you know, telling Luke everything that yeah, this is the truth of what's really going on here as far as yeah, yeah, that is your father and yeah, I told you the truth from a certain point of view <laughs> and um yeah, you know, you figure out who this is. Yeah, you know, this other that we're speaking of. Yeah, it's your sister. So a lot of key information that was kind of in question leading, you know, in between the Empire strikes back that cliffhanger of, you know, what does this all really mean is answered in those couple scenes.
1: Michelle, Right. Uh, And like I said before, I think it was just, you know, for the audience, for the fans to be able to, you know, put some closure to those Mm -hmm. questions to sum up what, why this happened this way. And, you know, it it obviously was, like I said, more fan-based, I think, than actual necessity.
0: I think you're, you're very, you're very right on that. Rob, your thoughts?
3: Yeah. I mean, I know for a fact it was, Purely for the fans, um, George Lucas had actually consulted a child psychi—sorry, uh, a child psychologist—and um, they basically confirmed that he was going to need some sort of an independent, independent character to, you know, confirm that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Um, so that was really the reason that he got put into the film was to be that independent uh, third party doing that confirmation that Luke was uh, indeed the son of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you know, again, it was it was something to kind of get these questions out in the air, put them behind us, so we can progress with this film. Okay, yes, right. this is what the facts are, so you don't need to worry about it all film long. Now we can move on to more of the exactly. body of the story, as Michelle was uh, referring to there. So uh, moving on, the the heroes get back together. There's you know kind of a uh, rebel group getting together, and we 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 finally meet another woman within Star Wars, and my <laughs> Mothma, and tells us uh, exactly what is going on out there and that we've got these plans that many Bothans have died for to receive um, that we can go and attack this brand new even larger Death right. Star, you know, and that the Emperor is there. So they come up with this plan. Again, uh, you know, our part of our heroes are going here, part of our heroes are going there for this battle. But it's an epic plan, and we move on to the forest moon of Endor and see the beautiful, lush forestry there for the first time, and get one of the more exciting scenes I think in this film and or in any in many Star Wars films, which is the speeder bike right. chase through. Through the redwoods, which was shot interestingly, and it was it, for that time, it was it was fascinating and exciting. I think you'd agree, Michelle.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it was stunning to watch. I remember being in the theater and first seeing that, and like, wow, that is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, again, shiny, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean it, it was. Wonderful to see how they were, you know, continually developing techniques to make these films that much more richer, that much more believable, realistic, whatever you want to say, and have some thrilling excitement to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, Rob, any thoughts on any of that leading up to the speeder bike chase or anything before that?
3: Uh, Well, first, I can't be the only one who as they were you know doing the shots of the forest moon of endor from space was like checking it out to see if there were aquatic regions on it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, all right, so there are large chunks of water on this forest moon. <laughs> uh, all tied into the, uh, uh-huh. the trailers. yes just uh, right. But exactly. uh, you know the speeder bikes themselves certainly uh, you know the lead up to that chase with Han Solo trying to sneak up on the biker scouts and stepping on the stick and uh, as usual just everything goes sideways no matter how well planned they think they've got it. But uh, the speeder bikes themselves certainly had to be kind of something that Lucas wanted in there given what a speed freak he was um, and you know then you get to see that in the prequels with the uh, the pod races as well but he loved that idea of just anything that went fast
0: mm-hmm. right. yeah, just the way it was shot uh, you know going through actual forestry and right. and making it look like so when you're in the theater or when you're watching it at home now or whatever the case may be it feels often through there like you are actually on the bike right. going through there and uh, you know I remember the first time watching the theater and just being fascinated by the whole thing yeah, and exactly. uh, understanding lucas's fascination with speed right sure. yeah definitely <laughs> so uh so we get through the chase obviously and uh they again are our heroes get separated uh leia uh you know ends up uh, getting in, you know, off of one of the speeders and um ends up getting saved by uh, an, or at least helped by an unlikely ally in one of the Ewoks in Wicket, right. which uh, we never actually hear his name, we just know his name from the tr- <laughs> from the uh, the credits, actually, right. but uh, by Wicket, uh, who comes by in and and kind of helps her out, and you know, like I said, is an unexpected ally in this.
1: Right, right. I, I mean, I think you could say that with about all of the Ewoks, the unexpected allies mm-hmm. to be able to accomplish quite a bit right. with very little. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think. Now knowing and looking back at the the uh, career that that one particular person had uh, at that moment, and that it was really he wasn't even the original person who was supposed to do that that sequence with Carrie Fisher. That it was actually Kenny Baker and who was ill that day, and they had Carrie ready and the set ready. But mm-hmm. um, boy, a, a, what a ten or eleven year old kid and how he uh, got the chance of a lifetime there
0: right of course we're talking about warwick davis uh, and that was a, you know he wanted to be in a star wars right. film and he got in and got a big role and now he's i mean can you imagine star wars kind of without warwick davis he's kind of yeah. everywhere in virtually right. every film from there on out rob your thoughts
3: well who would have emceed like every event <laughs> yeah, right. that they do I know he was <laughs> MC, you know the stage at star wars celebration and um he, he is just awesome. He's got such personality and, uh, clearly, you know, based on some of the comments that he's made in past uh, appearances, you know, he, he knows that he's got to go out there and, and take the roles that he wants. So, uh, it was a perfect opportunity for him and he's found a way to kind of embed himself in every star Wars film sense. Um, it is interesting. They never, they're never called Ewoks within the entire film, um, But uh, you know, we all prefer to refer to them as murder bears, anyway. (laughs) That's right,
0: murder bears gives them a little more, little more scariness to that. Devious, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, speaking of Warwick Davis, we actually just saw that he's going to be narrating a few days of the Candlelight Processional at the at Walt Disney World, and so seeing that happened to be when we we're there, yeah. yeah, we had to go out and, and uh, yeah, get <laughs> ourselves a dining package. We weren't planning on doing the Candlelight Processional this year, but uh, seeing that he's going to be narrating, we had to jump on that. So yeah. uh, we will be checking out Warwick Davis. Uh, narrating the candlelight processional he does such a great job with everything he does and we're excited for that so i'm uh, moving on you know the uh with the rest of our heroes even though you know leia is off with wicket and doing mm-hmm. other things the rest of our characters kind of get trapped up by the rest of the ewoks as well and it looks like again they're in trouble until <laughs> oh c-3po sits up hey he's a golden <laughs> god you know so you know who knew anyway something shiny apparently the Ewoks you know are not you know again seeing something shiny just like we are so uh, really interesting scenes and how they kind of play them out and you know Luke has to kind of talk him through being a god or whatever and um, it it really is just fun fun kind of funny scenes but also you know kind of important to uh, bring these characters in but the most interesting scene I find from that whole thing is um, is when C-3PO kind of retells the story yes. to the Ewoks of what got them there and it's just it, you know it's story night there and he's just <laughs> telling the whole thing complete with sound effects who knew C-3PO could do sound effects right. and everything uh it was just really really fascinating Michelle I know I know that's one of your favorite scenes. yeah it is
1: one of my favorite scenes it is you know one it's it is kind of touching just to see them all listening so intently to C-3PO um you know it it's also a good interesting way for people who might not have seen the other films to kind of get a little bit better understanding maybe Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't think that was the main purpose but i think that obviously could serve some of the purpose of it um but yeah it's just really an interesting scene to have him you know go through and like you said with all the intricate sound effects tell retell the story
0: Mm -hmm. agreed rob any thoughts on all that the the ewok camp and then uh, the retelling
3: by now, other, than the, other than the fact that I just have to totally agree that the retelling of, of the story by three PO was one of my favorite parts, uh, you know, along with all the special effects that he was able to weave into that. Um, and then obviously there's the big revelation between, uh, Luke and Leia mm-hmm. about, uh, Vader being Luke's father and, um, you know, you kind of get the the Luke and Leia theme playing across the top of that. So that was certainly a powerful scene within that particular portion of the film as well.
0: Yeah, no question about that. Definitely, uh, you know, uh, when he had to let her know of that, something that she didn't know of those scenes, I, you know, I kind of always knew is what she said. So uh, speaking of that, so Luke has to leave this group and goes off and you know he has to meet vader right. and you know he said he, i still believe it. that whole scene when he goes and meets vader he's you know he's captured they they bring up the walker and he's brought to face vader and it's just an interesting look between the two of them you could see when when uh when vader sees that luke created his own lightsaber, built his own lightsaber that he's impressed. He's impressed the whole time, you know, and you just feel that whole little scene right there, the torment going on with Vader of the conflict of, I must obey my master versus, you know, I'm so proud of my son. And, and, you know, it's so great that I've got somebody in my, it's just such a fascinating, fascinating scene, Michelle.
1: Right. I mean, not just so proud of his son for his skills, obviously that is a big part of it, but so, so, Proud of his son for having those skills and still, you know, as they're saying, being good, being on the light side, being, you know, taking a different path than he ended up in terms of bringing out his skills.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Rob, your thoughts on that scene?
3: I think it ties back really well to what we end up seeing in the prequels with the fact that, you know, Anakin almost seems resigned to the fact that he's falling to the dark side um, because he feels like he was put in a position and had no other options. And then, um, you know, really by this point, he is just uh, he seems to. To want to believe what Luke's saying, but he is just resigned to the fact that he is a slave to Palpatine, and there's really no other option. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only way that he can see this being resolved is by Luke being turned as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Agreed. Uh, I actually want to go back to a, a scene before this that I, I I actually forgot to put in my notes here, but I found interesting in rewatching it, and it is when uh, Vader meets with Palpatine. Palpatine has just come to the Death Star, and he's in his throne room. And, um, Palpatine, you know, uh, you know, Vader's telling him, you know, my, my son is with them with these, right. you know, they knows the Reb- Palpatine knows the rebels are there. know, this is all set up by him. It's a trap. Um, you know, but, uh, he was, didn't know for whatever reason that Luke was there, but Vader didn't, you know, and he asked him, you know, are your thoughts clear on this? And Vader said, yes. And he said, okay, get him and bring him before me. And then Palpatine says something interesting. It's like your, your job here is done. And to me, the thought there was, and I don't know if this led to anything or Vader even thought this or whatever, but my thought is that Palpatine right there is saying, here comes, you bring this kid before me. Right. He's gonna take your job. As my second in command, be right. younger, be stronger than you are at this point, point. Uh, and you can just kind of tell the relationship that Vader and Palpatine had. That if, you know, Vader was just this tool for him. Right. There was no real, even though you know, throughout the prequels, he wanted to sell this. I'm kind of your mentor, your father, your, your you know, another father A for figure. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that this was not to be. Like I just, I just need somebody else to fill that role. So your job here is done. Is kind of the way I read it.
1: Yeah, interesting. I hadn't kept that but that's really kind of a unique way to see it mm-hmm. R-
3: rob any thoughts on that well it just it's yeah, another way that lucas was ahead of his time i mean now with it being so common that you have to train your replacement at work right, <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> you don't know anything about that do you uh,
3: i don't know anything about that <laughs> a, you know the key is to always find another job i don't know that would worked out so well for vader <laughs>
0: <laughs> no openings at sith lords around the galaxy anywhere yeah. else No. So.
3: Um, Is it lord's yes, uh lords, of us? Yes. very go. good. Perfect, perfect.
0: Uh, so, moving on, we have the battle both on Endor. You know, the 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 uh, the rebels are there. They they think they've got them fooled. They're ready to go. They get in there and they realize it's a trap. And that's also happens in space as the fleet is the rebel fleet is coming in thinking that they've got this all planned out the the imperial fleet is somewhere else we're going to get in we're going to strike the the death star while we can they're not expecting us oh no it's like i said it's a trap um they figured it all out and they're all put in a a predicament again of how are they going to get out of this one
1: yeah i mean I love how Lucas does that in his films where he, like you're saying, there are the two parallel conflicts going on in both locations, you know, and you're like, is anybody going to make it out of (laughs) here? Okay, or what, you know, but it is great storytelling, great filming of showing those two conflicts going on simultaneously Mm -hmm. to try to get this plan to actually work.
3: Mm -hmm. Agreed. Rob, your thoughts? Uh, Well, first and foremost, it is great to know that even when you're dealing with Imperial weaponry that you can just get two logs and kind of have <laughs> them do that pincer smash together and you can still destroy them. That was, uh, one of my favorite parts yes. of the walked <laughs> Um, you know, the other interesting thing about that whole, uh, conflict was that you really kind of see the empire start to fall apart after the death of the emperor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, that was actually because he was using a form of battle meditation. He was able to you know, use the dark side of the force to make his troops much more efficient uh, and coordinated. And so his death actually threw off their battle coordination. And that was one of the reasons the rebels were able to rout them.
0: Exactly true. That comes out in some of the, the books that are actually in legends now. Uh, but there, there's some of that story that that is how Palpatine was able to kind of keep The Empire uh, running so efficiently is that this battle meditation that he would use Uh, so yeah definitely interesting Uh, another thing that turned the tide especially on the the planet of Endors itself is yes you saw the Ewoks battling there to begin with in there with their crude and you know it's like how do these teddy bears do this and you know okay say what you want about the Ewoks some people love them some people hate them whatever the case may be but how they but what really swung the battle literally was when Chewbacca swung in with a couple other ewoks took over the atST and you know that suddenly they had more than just primitive weapons on their side they actually had a real Imperial weapon fighting on their side and that's when you could see the battle turn on Endor itself
1: right and you know I mean in real life history when you look at battles a lot of times there is that initial fighting that you know maybe the underdog and I know yesterday was the anniversary of the Battle of Yorktown coming to a a successful win for the u.s Mm -hmm. but um kind of that same thing you have those struggles you have you know you're trying to use whatever you have and you may be the underdog um and then finally you're getting a foothold and being able to then skyrocket to success Mm -hmm. and you know that's kind of what i saw in that
0: Mm -hmm. rob i know you are already just talking a little bit about the battle on endor but any more thoughts on that
3: no, I mean, not really. It certainly was, uh, kind of downplayed the fact that you did, you did see some scenes in that battle where the Ewoks were getting killed mm-hmm. and they were kind of mourning their fallen companions, but, um, certainly without them, uh, there would really been no way that the, the rebels on the forest moon could have been successful. And, uh, they were willing to do whatever it took to kind of throw off the imperial yoke that was, you know, draped around their shoulders on that planet mm-hmm. or on that moon.
0: Right. Well, you know, I mean, uh, the thought in going into this film originally was that these were going to be Wookies uh, in this role, and then they decided to change it at the last minute, do these Ewoks instead. Uh, and you almost fe- you almost feel the the life debt that they had, you know, and not that they really had a life debt; they didn't really have a reason to have a life debt, but because of the fact that they had brought this group into their tribe. I think that's a very important scene where where you know, three P O tells that story, where, like we were talking about. Earlier, and they decide, Hey, you know, you guys, your story is amazing. You're good guys like us. We're bringing you as part of the tribe, and that they were willing to fight for their part of the tribe, even though that you know they're risking their own lives on this planet,
1: right? Although, you know, if you think about it, they were seeing human figures coming in, taking over their planet, and considering that Mm -hmm. all evil you know, that those, they were taking something that belonged to them, that now they had some people on the good side that were also interested in defeating those same individuals.
0: Uh, it's, a, it's a good point because it's not really ever uh, talked about within the film itself. But, the, you know, right. we know the Empire is well known for going in and just kind of using up uh, any planet's natural resources. Right. And uh, that definitely could have played the case with why the Ewoks were so willing to join the Rebels cause. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that, Ron?
3: I just think they joined because they're murder bears. <laughs> <laughs> They just like it. They just like death. It <laughs> distracts <laughs> their little murder bears. <laughs> love it. Oh, I love beady it. beady eyes.
0: Gonna, this is going to give everybody else a new, everybody that was like, oh, they're just teddy bears or whatever, there's a brand new viewpoint on the Ewoks after Rob is done with this whole thing. That's great. I love it. So anyway, we get to, yeah, we were talking about, you know, the death of Palpatine. The Luke-Invader lightsaber duel is, while in many ways it's relatively simple, it's a relatively simple duel. It is very impactful. Uh, Again, the score with John Williams puts behind it, you know, the drama of the whole thing. uh, It it really is strong, strong, and definitely the, the strongest of, you know, I mean, I don't know, I mean, you talk about the Empire Strikes Back, but the fact that these these two seem more level and, you you know, that you know that there is conflict going on there on both sides in this battle, I, I just thought that there was much more weight to this than anything that's happened before to, as far as we've seen in lightsaber battles before this point.
1: Right. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, like a lot of things in life that, the, you know, just because it may look simple at. And in some level that it really isn't that there's other undertones going on that are really playing an important role in the scene. And so rather than take away from that with a lot of razzle dazzle, mm-hmm. um, maybe keep it. The, that lightsaber battle, simple, but you know the conflict that's going on. Mm-hmm. Rob, I know you have you have to have thoughts on the on the lightsaber duel.
3: Well, I mean, you know, the the simplicity of it was really just because Luke was dangerously close to falling to the dark side of the Force, and he was just letting his his rage and his anger and his fear uh, control everything he was doing. And you could just tell in the way that he was attacking Vader um, that that you know he was throwing off every blow that Vader was trying to rain on him and then just hammering at Vader, uh, especially after the point where Vader basically said that if I can't turn you, then, you know, I'll go after your sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of see that, I mean, Luke's dressed all in black throughout the entire, um, uh, film. And then kind of as he opens the, the neck of his, his, uh, jerk in there at the end, you can see that it's got the white lining and that's very symbolic for kind of what was going on with him throughout the film.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Right. Right, as a matter of fact, that yeah, it's suddenly-
3: no, really yeah. I was going to say it really goes all the way back to Jabba's palace, right? right. He uses force choke on the Gamorian guards, and uh, he's using powers that are typically not associated with the Jedi, um, pretty casually throughout the film. Uh, but you know, at the end, as he sees Vader's sever severed hand and the fact that it's electronic, just like his, and uh, that kind of snaps him back, and he throws away the lightsaber, and um, that's really him stepping back from the precipice.
0: Yeah, and also goes back to Palpatine deciding to pipe in right at that moment. If he just been quiet, maybe the you other know, things wouldn't happen, but you know, as any good villain right. they, they tend to, you know, monologue right at the wrong time to let's you know, let the the good guy kind of come to his you know, either rescue himself or uh come to the right point of view on that. But uh uh yeah, so uh you know, once he realizes that uh, Luke is not going to be turned uh, he's like, fine, then you're, or I can't have you around because I know you can destroy me. So he's right. about ready to tries to destroy Luke. Luke pleads for his life and Vader finally caves into the good side that he'd seen. We'd seen kind of starting to creak through ever since, and I say it again, ever since the empire <laughs> strikes back, uh, finally comes through, uh, throws Palpatine over into the abyss and uh, you know, and, and then we have the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. If you were worried about spoilers at this point, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: Anyway, uh, Rob, your thoughts on that? Well, at the time, I thought that that was, you know, game set and match to the good guys. But um, obviously, now we we have to believe that Palpatine's going to be coming back in some way, shape, or form. So uh, that puts a twist on it. It's it's interesting. There was a temptation to go down a path where Luke was then going to basically take on the the mantle of Vader. Um, And they pulled back from that primarily because they didn't want to screw up the merchandising of the film. But, uh, you know, one one dark ending film in The Empire Strikes Back was one thing. But I think they felt like they really had to come back and uh, give the fans what they were looking for with the celebration uh, at the end of this particular film.
0: Especially since they didn't know if they were going to be making any other films for. I mean, we right. really kind of needed to have something that kind of wrapped up the storyline and. You know, on a good note, a high note, uh, made you feel good about this. If you're, you know, obviously, if you're a a light side supporter, I mean, I know, you know, there's plenty of people in the 500 first out there that you know (laughs)
2: are
0: are much more on the dark side. But if you're if you're a light side supporter, which most people are, uh, you really needed to see this. Uh, end up on that side. You know, and we have no idea what's going to happen in The Rise of Skywalker, but, you know, there's a lot of people that are interested to see if there's going to be a Ben Solo redemption. And some people will tell you that... He's just done too many awful things. There's no way that there could be a Ben Solo redemption. Well, Anakin Skywalker was (laughs) redeemed, okay? After all the things that Anakin Skywalker did, both as Anakin and as Darth Vader, uh, if he can be redeemed, then Ben Solo can definitely be redeemed. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it could definitely happen. Michelle, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I I agree with you on that that is something that isn't uh you know necessarily out of the realm of
3: possibility
1: for sure mm-hmm.
0: i know you have a thought on that rob
3: i just know that uh, i mean i can't be redeemed personally but i'm pretty
0: <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah well that goes without saying i don't even think we need to bring that up Here, spoiler alert or, I mean, whatever uh,
3: team murder bears so. <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> <laughs> we'll straight to the dark
0: side All with the right. murder bears so. <laughs> So, uh, you know, OK, we take off uh, Vader's mask and, you know, and uh, Anakin's just like, I'm just so happy that, you know, I can see you right. with my actual eyes, not these video screens that I've been having to see you through for, you know, the, these last few uh, films. And, and, and you know, it's a touching moment and, you yeah. know, Luke's not going to leave him, even though he knows he needs to get off there because they, they, they're going to blow up the Death Star. I right. did it and uh, they just they, they got away in the nick of time shocker and uh, you know and then you know we see him redeemed and returning as uh, as, as Rob likes to say as the blue glowies uh, yeah. you know as a force <laughs> ghost essentially right. along with Yoda and um, and, and of course uh, Obi-Wan Boy Boy. Kenobi um, so uh, just great to see that and then the whole group celebrates with if you watch the original film is with Yub Nub <laughs> which I miss so much in the new ones I wish they would bring back Yub Nub but uh, you know the celebration celebrate celebrations right. of uh the rebels even though they the you know you go on the rebels weren't completely done that was kind of their
1: yorktown as far as what would be the end of the empire right right yeah i mean and and it you know certainly paralleled the endings of the other films too having celebrations mm-hmm. at the end so yeah. Uh, Rob, your thoughts on the uh, the finish of the film.
3: I loved it when it was Yub Nub, uh, when I did my Ewoks episode <laughs> mm-hmm. for Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I made sure that that got in that particular episode. I'm not a huge fan of the kind of reworked ending that came out in the special editions with all the celebrations taking place on the different planets. Um, I just I thought yub nub was the perfect way to wrap up the film. And, and it's sad that there's an entire generation of people, uh, probably a couple of generations at this point that uh, grew up, you know, without having that, that original ending to the film. But uh, if you get a chance to find a version that has Yub in it, I would definitely recommend you go out and check that. Out.
0: Totally agree on that. I also like that, you know, one, it was just, it was much more intimate because, I mean, really, yes, I mean, they, they've been across the galaxy. You've visited many of these places. Although many of these places that show up in the special edition are places that you've you've never seen really much of because they don't make appearances till the prequels, right. you know, so you don't really know anything about them from the original trilogy. But it was just nice to have our group that we know together, celebrating together. If this right. is what we've accomplished, they even bring Wedge in, and I'm a big Wedge fan. You know, <laughs> even though he has such a small part, but he was in each of the original trilogy films true. and was a very important leader uh, within the, you know, w- within the uh, the Rebel fleet. Right. Yeah, you know, And it was great that he got to celebrate alongside all of our other heroes. That's true. Yeah. So. Um, I, I i love the original ending um the, the the new ending is fine but the original ending was the the best way to do it and i wish they hadn't changed that but what can you do right time passes well it would be in
1: interesting to see somebody who's only seen the the revised version and then show them the original version and see what their perspective would be true uh, they would probably would think it differently if right. they
0: you know than we did because it's, uh we're you know more old school in that regard where yeah. if somebody this knows the pre- uh, knows the prequels so well, maybe you know it's more fitting if right. that's, especially if that's how you started was by watching the prequels Correct. to begin with. So, uh, so moving on, uh, the, the critical reception for this film uh, it got only eighty one percent, which is good, but it's not like what you would expect um, right. from on on Rotten Tomatoes. It got a seven point two four out of ten based on ninety reviews from critics. However, they were pretty good reviews. Roger Ebert gave the film four stars out of four, calling it quote a complete uh, entertainment a feast for the eyes and a delight for the fancy it's a little amazing how lucas and his associates kept topping themselves end quote gene siskel uh, you know his counterpart right. ebert's counterpart many times on television uh, the chicago tribune also gave the film four stars out of four and wrote quote from the moment that the familiar Star Wars introductory words begin to crawl up the screen, Return of the Jedi is a childlike delight. It's the best video game around. <laughs> and for the professional moviegoers, it is particularly enjoyable. Watch every facet of filmmaking at its best, end quote. So, uh, you know, it was, It even though it didn't quite get to the level of, you know, there were some negative uh, uh, critics about this, right. you know, um, it still was pretty highly praised. And I, I think... To this day, I I still find it like it was a necessary uh, film for the original trilogy. As dark as especially The Empire Strikes Back was, they needed this lighter side of it right. and to tie it up so well. Could it have been done a little bit better? Possibly.
1: But I really enjoy uh, Return of the Jedi. Michelle, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I definitely enjoy it. I mean, maybe some of the critiques about it related to that it did have, you know... Uh, culture or civil, you know, civilization there that wasn't all high tech. And maybe that's what people were thinking. It should always be with Star Wars, but it still held true to the storyline and, you know, to the emphasis that, you know, with purpose, anybody can do things.
0: Yeah. Uh, Rob, your thoughts, any uh, thoughts on the critical response or
3: your critical response when you first saw it? Uh, Well, I mean, I was still pretty young when I first saw it. I I think that even going into the film, it was a little bit bittersweet because you didn't know if you'd ever see another star Wars film. And, you know, was, right. to, to the best of our knowledge at the time, this was kind of the end of the trilogy, the end of the story. Um, but you know, from, by the same token, the situation that Lucas was in was, you know, when he had started uh, producing empire strikes back and he was kind of financing that on his own and building ILM and Lucasfilm and everything. Um, uh, From scratch and he was gambling with his own money on, on the success of that film. And this was the next time, you know, return of the Jedi, he turned around and did the exact same thing. He Mm -hmm. sunk his, his profits from the previous film back into making another one. Uh, but I think by this point he was starting to understand that the decisions he was making within the film could potentially impact, the money that he was going to be able to get out of the merchandising and, um, you know, the financial success that he would have down the road and with no additional plans to make any, uh, any additional films at that time. Um, you know, this was kind of, if he, if it went bad on this film, he could end up in a, in an ugly spot. So, uh, I think that he was a little bit more conservative with some of the decisions he made. And I think that's probably why people prefer empire to return of the Jedi in a lot of cases. But, uh, as you said, I think it was important that it ended on a high note, um, and that, you know, people kind of walked out of the feeling, out of the theater feeling good about what they saw.
0: Mm-hmm. Completely right. agree with that. Yeah. Completely with that.
3: So uh, it was nominated for uh, four Academy
0: Awards, only one won, and that was actually a special achievement award for visual effects, has kind of been a, a theme with Star Wars films. They go <laughs> on they kind of win these uh, special achievement awards. Uh, as for box office, depending on sources, Return of the Jedi grossed between 475 and 572 million worldwide. Uh, box Office Mojo estimates that the the film sold over 80 million tickets in the U.S. during its initial theatrical run, so was an extreme success. Uh, Lucas, you know, it did pay off for Lucas and putting right. this money involved in it as well, and uh, so uh, it just, you know, again, what uh, is it? To me, it's the it's the weakest of the original trilogy, but I still think it's that's selling it short just because it's the weakest of these great films right. doesn't mean it's a bad movie. I think it's a great movie and enjoy it just on its own. And I think it deserved it to uh, get everything it got and make the money that it made. Cause it's, it was just a fun ride if nothing else.
1: Sure. And you know, because it was considered the end of the trilogy end of the storyline, you know, yeah, it, it did have to take a turn to be on the, you know, leave. I think it did have to have that light side, that positiveness that, you know, they, they were the winners, right? G- agreed
0: on that. So let's get to our fun facts here. I mean, we've already been through several f- uh, facts involved with this, especially you know the murder bears fact. You know, we needed to know about that from Rob. So uh, <laughs> let's get on to our more fun facts, and I'm sure Michelle has some fun facts for us.
1: Um, I, I think I shared some during the during the mm-hmm, time, did. yeah. But um, the other one is so. Uh, a fun fact that i found uh recently and i know that in in the past i compared han solo to uh a, another classic movie with casablanca we're <laughs> uh-huh. gonna blow our minds again here. <laughs> well no I, actually this was interesting is that the design for job of the hut was based with sydney green street From Casablanca. He was, you know, kind of like, I guess Mm -hmm. kind of like a bad guy for Ferrari in that movie. But it is interesting that... (laughs) Java actually did have a connection with Casablanca. It all comes back to Casablanca when you're talking Star
0: Wars. There's no (laughs) question about that. We found that out for the last few uh, films we've watched. Right, yeah. They had a
1: love triangle, too. Thank goodness
0: Michelle's here to point us back in the right direction every single time. That's amazing. That is a fun fact. That's interesting. Good stuff. Uh, Rob, I'm sure you have some fun facts for us.
3: Yeah, uh, the first is that the voice of Bausch, which is the bounty hunter that Princess Leia uh, is playing when she brings Chewbacca to Jabba's Palace, that was actually voiced by Pat Welsh, and uh, the other voiceover work that she had done was the voice of E.T. in 1982's Mm -hmm. uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, so... Um, Not Leia's voice in that particular shot. Uh, There was uh, kind of a funny fact about the lightsabers that both Luke and Vader were using during this film. Uh, All of Vader's lightsabers had disappeared since uh, filming of The Empire Strikes Back. So he was kind of using a repurposed um, Skywalker lightsaber. Uh, that Luke would have been using in the prior two films. And Luke was using the lightsaber that Obi-Wan had used in the original Star Wars film. So <laughs> wow. um, uh, shocking that people would be stealing, stealing any of the the set pieces, right? right? <laughs> jeez <laughs>
2: No, that never happens. It never happens. So...
3: Yeah. And then there was, there was a plan to have Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of returned from the dead in this film. And that ties into what I was talking about with the, the blue glowies, as I like to call them. And I know Tom's (laughs) endlessly, endlessly amused by that, but, um, you know, they they've just been getting progressively more and more substantial in every film to the point where in Last Jedi Yoda was calling down force lightning and burning the tree. So uh, <laughs> it would be interesting to see if that is something that comes full circle in Rise of Skywalker. So I guess we'll wait and see. All I'm right.
0: convinced of it, actually. But uh, yeah, we will. We will <laughs> wait and see for sure. Uh, as far as my fun facts, I just have a couple here for you. Uh, interesting enough, and again, everything I take here is from the internet, so take it with a grain of salt. You know, everything on the internet <laughs> is true. Uh, nah, I don't have the no problem is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the emperor's chair apparently was uh, originally mechanized so that it would rotate, uh, you know, on the scene when it would call for it. However, yes. that chair broke. So uh, basically what had to happen was Ian McDermott, who's of course played the emperor as we discussed, uh, had to make it move by kind of shuffling his feet along as he would <laughs> move it along and there'd be marks on the floor for him to know where to stop. So it's a good thing his- But stoning, right? Right. So it's a good thing his robe was rather long so he wouldn't see him like moving his little feet. I just had this picture of these little feet. Do,
3: <laughs> moving it back and forth.
0: Uh, anyway, that's awesome. And the other uh, thing I wanted to point out was that, uh, and we've we, we've driven to Arizona many times. We have family members that live in Arizona, and many times we're going out there. We sail our sail. We go through Yuma, Arizona, and we see these big sand dunes right. out there. Well, you know, I always think that they're Star Wars sand dunes it looks like Tatooine when we go out right. there well that's because it actually was at one point in this film uh, Jabba Sail Bars was filmed uh it says in Yuma Arizona but I think it's right next to Yuma technically where it was uh the film crew apparently though had problems uh avoiding uh the 35,000 dune buggy enthusiasts <laughs> that we've seen out there <laughs> right. many times when we pass through in the area. Uh, so. to pres- Preserve secrecy the producers claimed to have been making a horror film called quote blue harvest end quote <laughs> uh with the tagline horror beyond imagination and even had caps and t-shirts made up for the crew they had a chain link fence and a 24-hour security service uh to try and kind of you know right. this area where they were filming c- keep people out, but still fans found a way and they got pictures from the area, whatever. Because you imagine if they were trying to do that now, there's no way they pull it off now. Right, it's amazing right. that they only got it a little bit of uh, and then, but uh, just you know, crazy stuff. But I know every time I drive through there,
1: I'm like, oh, it's Tatooine. Right, right. That makes sense. Well, uh, you know that whole thing that you're saying, c- calling the film Blue Harvest, that mm-hmm. was true uh, on a documentary on a Star Wars. Um, film. So I feel like that that Mm -hmm. is pretty accurate Mm -hmm. not just the internet. Uh, And part of that too was to, you know, try to keep costs down that if people knew that the film was actually going to be a Star Wars film, that there was going to be a lot of price hiking for, you know, use of things or land and things like that. Um, But I guess when the stars actually showed up to film than people like, Oh wait, no, Yeah. (laughs) this is something different. This is something different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's hard to believe that both Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill and Carrie Carrie Fisher are showing up for a a brand new horror movie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So uh, let's just get to our quickly, our closing thoughts on this film. Uh, Michelle, uh, what do you have to say about the return of the Jedi? Kind of close things out here.
1: Well, you know, I think we, we've pretty much said everything that, that I would have thought of that the the main summing it up concept is, you know, the film before that you were left with, you know, kind of a pit in your stomach. It was, you know, like a very dark thing to leave the theaters with and that that in order to complete this trilogy, they would need to make it end on a more upbeat note. Agreed.
0: Uh, Rob, any closing thoughts on uh, Return of the Jedi? No, I think I pretty much got
3: it all out while we were talking about the individual, you know, sub portions. Certainly, you know, it was, there was a lot of uh, sadness at the end of this film in the sense that we were going to no longer get to see the adventures of this group of people that we had all become so attached to. And so when, uh, when all the novels and comics and everything started coming out after that to kind of get us through to the Phantom Menace, that was uh, happy days indeed. But, um, I'm just going to kind of going through the same thing right now with the rise of Skywalker, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not for sure knowing what the future holds, but I think the fact that we're going to have so much great content on Disney plus, uh, in just a few weeks is, is going to definitely help, uh, deal with some of those some of that sense of loss, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's the, the end of an era with the end of the Skywalker saga coming up. You know, I'm happy to see what uh, is going to uh, progress from star Wars in the future. You know, minus the Skywalkers necessarily being the focus of everything, but uh, it's still at the same point. We'll be kind of sad to see it go away. But yeah, I mean, the, the, we kind of went through this already with this film because we didn't know that there would ever be another star Wars film after this one. You know, it took, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, ten, you know, fifteen years. It was a long time right. before they got to the next uh, film, and we just didn't think there would ever be another one. So you know, it did feel a little melancholy at the end of this film. Yet it was like Michelle said, it, they ended it on mm-hmm. a happy note. They wrapped up. If that had been the final Star Wars film, it would have felt like a perfectly well done trilogy, and right. one of the one of if not the best of all time. And and Return of the Jedi is definitely a key part of that. So that's our look back. At Star Wars Remembered, uh, episode six, Return of the Jedi. Next month, we're moving into the sequel trilogy. (laughs) Yep, it's episode seven, The Force Awakens. We're going to get into that as we really get moving really moving quickly now into uh, the Rise of Skywalker and the end of the Skywalker saga, and we're excited for that. Rob, thanks again for joining us. Your insight is always valuable. We always appreciate it because, again, Mm -hmm. like Michelle said, we always look at something shiny, but Rob always brings the meat to this, and he always does that as well on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I know we're going to be taping here. I'm going to imagine on Tuesday or Wednesday we're going to watch the trailer first, so I'm sure we'll have some sort of detailed breakdown of the new trailer for the Rise of Skywalker when it comes out on Monday night, but please tell our listeners where they can find the Jedi Temple Archives podcast and also how they can follow you on social media.
3: Yeah, uh, you can find us at uh, jtapodcast.com, so that'll take you right to our feed. Um, we've got I think uh, we just did our 30th episode last week, so wow. there's plenty of content to get caught up on if you haven't started listening to it. And uh, it's really you know, geared primarily towards Star Wars fans that are just casual Star Wars fans but want to know more to better enjoy the films. Uh, although I think people that are longtime Star Wars fans and kind of uh, mega nerds about it can still get stuff out of it as well. So uh, you can reach us via email at jtapodcast at gmail.com and you can find us on social media at Facebook. Twitter, Instagram and Pinterest at jta podcast. So, uh definitely look us up uh and we're always willing to to talk Star Wars with you. So, definitely reach out if you have any interest or any ideas for uh, future podcasts that you'd like to hear.
0: Really enjoyable show, and yes, you should check it out. Whether you're a novice Star Wars fan, whether you're a veteran Star Wars fan, whatever, uh, you will get something out of that show, and you should check it out. Rob, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to looking at
3: uh, the sequel trilogy starting up next month. All right, I'm looking forward to it as well, and uh, hopefully, all your listeners really enjoy the episode. Can't wait to uh, talk some more Star Wars with you in about a month.
0: So, thanks again to Rob Leberry the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. We always have such a great time breaking out, uh, breaking down these Star Wars films with him. It's just an enjoyable, enjoyable time, and he really brings such so great information. I think you'd agree, Michelle. Oh,
1: absolutely, and the fact that you know he does have such great knowledge of it, and. You know, just to echo back, if you haven't listened to his podcast, it's one that you should, you know, start listening to and go back and get some of the other episodes.
0: Right. And don't forget, today's keyword is Skywalker. Skywalker. I'm gonna drive Michelle crazy by keeping doing that every single ten minutes what? in the show.
1: You notice the evil eyes, though. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm glad that you did it. All right, I'm
0: moving on. I'm getting to the Disney stories of the week. And we're gonna start with uh, we if you love Disney films and you love reviewing Disney films, well, there may just happen to be the perfect job coming up for you. Ooh, this is kind of interesting.
1: Yes. This one I actually heard about.
0: Yes. So this is someone Michelle kind of knows very much. And she's like, are you going to enter in this? I'm like, I don't know. But let's get to it and see if it's right for you. So this is from reviews.org. If you There's no need to wish upon a star to get $1,000 is what it says. You just have to prove you're the biggest, baddest Disney fan out there. And they'll tuck a whole grand in your bank account. Yes. <laughs> Uh, they, they go on to say, no, we're not un poco loco. <laughs> we're just so excited about the launch of Disney Plus on November 12th, 2019, that they're selecting a Disney fan to help them celebrate. And if they pick you, your job is to watch 30 of your favorite Disney movies or 30 shows in 30 days. Best job Ever. Oh,
1: I know. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I did look up at the application, and, you know, it doesn't, it looks like uh, something that would be. I think great for anybody to really apply to and uh, and be considered for this because it does sound like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So the details of this job
0: is that you must be, one, a huge Disney fan. Two, you must be age 18 or older. Uh, you must be a U.S. citizen or permanent resident. And here's what you get if you do get this gig. Along with $1,000, the biggest Disney fan will receive a subscription to Disney Plus for a whole year. That way you can watch these films. Right. <laughs> Uh, You also will get a Disney themed movie watching kit, including a Mickey mouse themed blanket 4 Disney themed cups, a Pixar popcorn popper uh, complete with movie theater, popcorn kernels. And now if you want to apply for this gig, uh, you go to reviews.org, answer a few questions about yourself and submit a video review of your absolute favorite Disney movie. And you have until noon Eastern time on November 7th, 2019 to enter. So that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, $1,000 would do something you're probably going to do anyway when Disney Plus comes out. Right, yeah.
1: I mean, we're already starting to say, you know, I don't know about you, but I've already started kind of making my list together of what do I want to see once Disney Plus starts. Uh, everything. <laughs> it's like you. Just go on to
0: Disney Plus and look at everything, and that's what I want to watch on Disney Plus that's It's everything. Although there's so much that's going to be a lot of time watching. About what order are you going to watch <laughs> them? That's the key. Uh, question. We already talked about Star Wars a lot, so I'm sure The Mandalorian will be right. Right up there, near the top for sure. Uh, let's move on to our next uh, Disney story of the week, and that is also has to deal with Star Wars, and that is that there are new food options arriving for you in a galaxy far, far away. This from the Disney Parks blog. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at the Disneyland Resort is about to get a whole lot tastier this week. Nice. Yes. There are five new items located throughout the land that you have to try. At Oga's Cantina, a new charcuterie plate will join the menu. Uh, It's called the Hapabore Sampler, featuring (laughs) a selection of cured meats, Artisan cheeses, pickled and preserved rations, and crackers. That sounds wonderful, and something I think that was much needed for Oga's Cantina. Yeah, it's just
1: gonna say the same thing, you know. It, they did have some light snacks, you know, some like chip kind of products or whatever. This is great addition. I'm looking forward to. Uh, to sampling it.
0: Yes, me too. And when we get to Oga's, because Tina, either whether, I guess it's here at Disneyland right now, they haven't said that this is going to be at Walt Disney World mm-hmm. yet, but mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that is coming uh, sooner rather than later uh, to be included on both sides. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving on, other items that are going to be available at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at the Disneyland Resort is uh, if you're picking up a shipment of at uh, Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, you'll definitely want to try the new Garden Patty Bun. It's a new kid's meal feature which uh, has a bao bun, roasted carrots, house sauce and a mandarin orange. It's a garden patty so it's a it's a veggie based uh item and again for the kids yeah sounds delicious yeah i uh, may have to order from the kids menu yeah for i know that right, one, right? <laughs> which is
1: which is a good thing that you can do that that's true
0: uh speaking of plant-based there are a new ronto less garden wrap coming to ronto roasters featuring a plant based sausage spicy kimchi slaw uh sweet pickled cucumber and goat oh boy gochujang <laughs> gochujang gochujang Gochujang, spread, all wrapped in a pita. <laughs> Uh, also being Toronto uh, added to the Ronto uh, roaster menu is the key reel pork rinds with cinnamon sugar served in a MSE6 series repair droid souvenir vessel. That's the mouse droid. Oh, that Michelle cool. is a big fan of. Yes. yes. So yeah.
1: uh, a couple new items coming to Ronto roasters as well. Yeah. I'm so glad that they're adding these uh, plant-based food items there as well. And just having some more variety is great. And, you know, who wouldn't want that uh, mouse droid Mm -hmm. container? I know that they've used that in the past for uh, popcorn. So this is another fun way to be Mm -hmm. able to get it. Yes. Uh, Speaking of
0: popcorn, uh, Cat Saka's Kettle will also be... uh, debuting a brand new popcorn it's going to be a chocolate popcorn with crate red salt so the salt from you know the planet mm-hmm. crate from the last jedi that's going to be the salt and so it's gonna be a chocolate salty popcorn which i think is fascinating which i knew I as soon know. as i saw that i'm like michelle is that's like right at michelle's alley <laughs> right there
1: wow that's awesome Yeah. I can't wait. Can't wait. We got to, you know, set some time aside and uh, go to a galaxy far, far away. Yes. We got to, you know, hop on that uh,
0: speeder and get back there as soon as we possibly can. Uh, This all starts tomorrow, October 21st. That's Monday. uh, For those of you who might be heading out to the Disneyland Resort Uh, and to make your trip planning easier, uh, they're going to be uh, having some more flexibility with the uh, reservation system. Now they're updating that beginning tomorrow to 60 days out. It's been 14 days for a while. Uh, Now, starting tomorrow on Monday, the 21st, you'll be able to make your Ogas, uh, Savi's Workshop, and Droid Depot reservations at a 60-day advance, just like you can for any of the other
1: restaurants at the Disneyland Resort. Right, right. That's good that they're going to have that consistency then because that was, you know, certainly a challenge, especially somebody coming from out of town to be able to figure out, oh, do they have everything and they still had to wait to get a confirmation uh, for what they could do or, or you know, um, experience on Batu.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, so uh, make your plans now, and I can't wait to try all that new food out. And I'm looking yeah. forward to also experiencing Batu and uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at the Walt Disney World Resort, Disney Hollywood Studios, coming up here in just a couple months. We're going to have quickly on I that. Know. It's going to be exciting. So uh, let's move on from one highly anticipated movie that we've been talking about all day to another highly anticipated movie, and a sneak peek of it that's coming uh, in – to Disney parks coming up here uh, this next month of November. So this again from the Disney parks blob for a limited time. Did I say parks blob? Parks blog (laughs) for a limited time. This fall guests visiting Disney parks and sailing with Disney cruise line will get an early glimpse of scenes from frozen Two. yes. Hashtag real men love frozen Uh, (laughs) beginning on November 3rd, a special look at moments from the film will be presented in the, Hyperion Theater yeah. at Disney California Adventure Park for guests gathered to experience the Frozen live at the Hyperion Stage st- Spectacular. <laughs> stage Spectacular. I'm having some struggles. Really? Sp- How unusual. Yeah, I know. It's so different <laughs> for me. Uh, Sneak peeks of the film will also be shown in the studio theater at the Walt Disney Studios Park in Disneyland Paris starting on November 4th as part of the Walt Disney Presents attraction at Disney's Hollywood Studios beginning on November 5th and on board Disney Cruise Line during the month of November. And of course, Frozen 2 hits theaters on November 22nd. And we've talked about how uh, the Rise of Skywalker Mm -hmm. has their tickets going on sale beginning on Monday, beginning tomorrow. How long can it be until Frozen 2 tickets go on sale? Those oh, got to okay. be pretty soon, yes. too. And I know that I'll be on top of that because hashtag real men love Frozen.
1: <laughs> and it looks like a really interesting storyline is going to be presented in that film. So yeah, looking forward to we've it. We've loved every
0: scene we've seen from it. Yeah. Seen we've seen from it so far. And uh, all the music has been great as well. So right. I'm very, very excited about it. So that's my Disney Stories of the Week. We never, however, leave you on any show without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. Something whether it be going to the parks, uh, the resort, uh, Disney Cruise Line, Run Disney, whatever the case may be, we like to give you a little something that might help you on your next vacation. And we always start with Michelle, one, because she's gorgeous, wonderful, (laughs) all things right with the world, but also because she has the very best tips. So let's get right to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week.
1: You're so sweet. Uh, so my tip actually is for people who are planning to go on to Disney World uh, during the, the holiday season. So whether it's like Thanksgiving through December. Um, and that tip is do not exclude a little side trip, especially in the evening, to fort wilderness resort and the reason that is is yes we see christmas decorations that the that they do in the parks and they're spectacular and and certainly wonderful um but here you get to one enjoy that because they also dress up uh fort wilderness pretty nicely with the christmas decor but or holiday decor but also what you would have an opportunity to experience Um, individuals who are vacationing there, whether they're staying at a cabin or whether they're bringing their own trailer or camper, tent, whatever, people really use... This as you know, you can tell, it's like their annual vacation and they really deck things out. And it is an amazing sight to see. A lot of fun. Uh, it's it just kind of like uh, an old-fashioned hometown USA, you get to go in there and you can uh, you could actually, if you have your, a car, you can drive through the different loops of Fort Wilderness Resort. Um, otherwise, you could consider renting a cart, a golf cart. Uh, and those, you can make reservations on, uh, you can't do that online. You have to call for that. You could do that. Um, or you could just walk through some of it. You, you know, you might not to get, feel like you can go through all of the loops. I know they've had bike rentals right now suspended because of construction, but I don't know if that'll be resuming anytime soon, but that could possibly be uh an option for you or if you're obviously one of the vacationers there and you bring your own bike with your your camper then you might have that opportunity but i I really can't emphasize enough how much fun it is the interactions Um, the, what people really do, one is very creative visually to see, but just, you know, the, the friendliness that they have, you know, so like some, some people they'll put out, um, you know, treats for animals. So if you have, you know, a dog or cat that that's with vacationing with you, you can stop and, and give them a little treat too, and talk to the people who have done all this great decorating. Um, I know that one time we went through, somebody had different, um, glasses that you could see different Disney images in their light setting, um, and people are sitting outside there and talking and it's just a real friendly gathering and a, you know, a, the best place to be in the world. Yeah, it is an excellent, uh, stop to go by on during the holidays. And one that not a lot of
0: people know about, uh, if you want to take the side trip over, take the boat over, whatever, mm-hmm. if you can, you can drive over there. Like you said, uh, take the boats over from magic kingdom or from uh, the contemporary or wilderness right. lodge, uh, on over to Fort wilderness. And, uh, if you're stopping by to do the hoop to doo review or if you're just going to want to get a, a cocktail over at Crockett's Tavern right. or, uh, you know, have a stop or a bite or just want to head over there, it is really easily walked if you want to just take the boat over and walk over. It's not that far to get right. to the loops and check some of them out. The buses can even uh, take you part of the way there if you want that are constantly running through Fort Wilderness. Uh, but, you know, like I said, you can drive through there, whatever the case may be. It is really a fun. It's, it's like driving if you've gone through your neighborhood and drive through neighborhoods to look at Christmas lights. It's just like that, only with campers. Right, and, and it's and, compact. Yeah, and know. it's really easy to go through, and it is a lot of fun, and it's just a different wonderful holiday experience. So again, Michelle's right. tip is oh, thank always you. the best tip, and that is a great tip. Thank you. They
1: also have horse and buggy rides I that do. you can rent. Um, those also can be reserved in advance, and they kind of go quickly. Mm-hmm.
0: They also have some of the best general stores there, like if you're looking to pick up some stuff um, yes. that to bring back to your room, because of the fact that they know that people are camping there. they Their general stores there have a few more items than some of the regular sort of shops that they right. have at some of the DVC areas or whatever. Uh, so if you're looking to pick up a couple more things, it's another reason why you might want to go by there Good as point. well. So uh, Great tip. Michelle always has the wow, best tips. Thank you. Uh, my tip goes back to this last week, we were 60 days out from our Walt Disney World Resort stay. So that 60 day mark meant that it was fast pass yeah. plus day which becomes <laughs> really, really early for us out here <laughs> on the west coast they open up at 4 a.m. our time we were up uh, securing those earlier this week and we got most everything we wanted so we were pretty happy about that but I wanted to give you a couple strategies that I've discussed actually in the past and some of this I actually got from our, our great guest Rob LaBerry who came mm-hmm. on with us earlier kind of gave us some tips on the best way to attack this and that is if you're looking to get some of the more popular attractions out there say a flight of passage or uh, seven dwarfs mine train right or Slinky Dog Dash, uh, some of these ones that you know are really hard to get those fast passes, right. so they go really, really quickly. One of the ways to best approach this is if you're saying, say, a week trip out there, is try and schedule those days where you really want to get those fast passes uh, later within your right. stay. Now, here's the reason for that. When you, if you're trying to book like this on the very first day you're in, well, there have been people that have uh, been, had their 60-day window open up before you, days before you. Right. So uh, they've already had a jump on securing fast passes for this day. So right. there's a good chance, especially if it's a busy day, especially near the holidays, like that, those might be already gone for you. However, if you're booking, booking it more towards the end of your trip, one that's probably outside the window of the people that have booked before you and you are jumping ahead of the window of the people right. that are booking after you. So you have a little bit better availability to kind of secure some of those right, really good. tough, Fast passes to get. So uh, just kind of a quick, it's just really easy, but sometimes you don't think about that. You think, okay, the first day I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna get Slinky Dog Dash, or I wanna get Flight of Passage day one maybe push that back a few more days within your trip. Right. And not that you can't try to get it on your first day or your second day, but to secure it first, go to that day that's farther along in your trip and you you will more likely have better success right. at securing those key fast
1: passes that are really tough to get at times. Right, That and that's a great tip because actually I made that rookie mistake when we were uh, bringing your family out in the summertime and I put our 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 uh, visit to the disney hollywood studios much too early in the trip to be able to secure some of those fast passes yeah we didn't get slinky dog dash for that when we got it for ourselves later on in right. the trip, but unfortunately they had
0: already moved on on the last trip so they didn't get a chance to to go on it this right. last time but you know more recent hopefully they will join us for that's another right. trip at the walt disney world resort so uh that's it for this week uh next week uh we're gonna be talking about a couple of our favorite subjects of course we'll be talking disney yeah we're always talking disney uh we'll also be talking about another one of our favorite things Wine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Put them together and we'll be talking about Disney family wines. So, uh, we may even have a guest or two that might come along with us uh, to discuss the topic. We're not sure yet. We're in works and trying to get this secured, but we'll see about that. But either way, we're going to be talking about some of the uh, Disney family wines, which you may run into if you're at some of the resorts. But either way, uh, there are some really quality wines out there that maybe you haven't tried out before but we want to kind of let you know about these.
1: Right. And you know, um actually there's going to be uh over the next several months we'll probably do a couple different episodes mm-hmm. related to this and uh if you're not a wine enthusiast, this is not to say that this won't be an enjoyable episode to listen to because there's also a lot of rich history that goes along with um the people involved and how they relate to the Disney company and um It's just going to, I think, be a lot of fun Mm -hmm. for anybody to enjoy the episode. Right. There's a reason why they're called
0: or you know, sort of self-titled Disney Family Wines is because uh, everybody that's involved in these wineries has had some sort of significant place within the Disney company and they have some interesting backstories behind them and the wineries themselves. So we look forward to delving into that. Yeah. Like I said, possibly a guest or two and maybe some interesting ones. So we'll see where that goes. So that's it for this week. Uh, Thanks for joining us again today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. Best place, however, to find us is on com. And please don't forget to take part in this week's Hyperion Adventures trivia game. We've always given you many times the
1: keyword, which is Skywalker. The keyword is Skywalker. It's a code word, but I know you're saying <laughs> a keyword because we're giving away we're giving a away key. A key. Yeah. Got it? Gate <laughs> key. That's right. <laughs> I'll get it right
0: one of these episodes, maybe months on down the line. <laughs> not. he did not, fine.
1: He did down fine. Down I'm not trying to correct you. I was actually thinking it was cute that you were tying it into the prize that's this it. week. That's why I, that's what I, was. I was it wasn't. Just a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was giving you credit. Yeah, it's <laughs> giving you credit.
0: Speaking of mistakes, follow us on social media on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you want to bring up our mistakes, uh, you can always email us at Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com.
1: And again, we really appreciate if you would tell a friend about our podcast and leave us a review and a rating those are all wonderful things that help us out a lot yeah,
0: we really appreciate everybody that's given us a review in the past and for anybody who is thinking about giving us a review in the future thanks for joining us again for another week of the hyperion adventures podcast we look forward to sharing some time with you again next week but until that time i'm tom i'm michelle and we hope that you have a magical week